You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast, where I will be frying it up with legends in sports, movies, music, comedy, politics, and more. On today's Fry It Up with Augustus Cho, my guest started a company, not only a company, but an award-winning one, as well as created a number of charities as a tribute to honor her husband, who was a firefighter who lost his life as a result of 9-11. With that, we welcome to the mic, Cheryl Lee. How are Hi, you, Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hope you, you're welcome. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yes, I did. Great, great. Hope um, you did too. Yes, the best we can under the circumstance, right? Yes. Um, before we focus on the specifics of the topic, let's talk a little bit about Cheryl Kelly. That was your maiden name, right? Yes. And uh, we want to get to know you a little bit so the listeners can understand that there's a person behind everything that you've been doing and getting involved in, okay? Yes. So. Tell us who Cheryl Kelly is. Okay, well, Cheryl Kelly Lee, I am the CEO and founder of Rockabella Brands, and it's a dedicated signature, Rockabella Vodka, and it's dedicated to Captain Mark V. Lee Sr., Engine 10, and Captain James Woods, Engine 14 of the Jersey City Fire Department, and 9-11 First Responders. Okay, tell us about who you are. Where did you grow up? How you grew, I grew up? up I grew up in um, a Catholic family. Um, I have two brothers. I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey. I, have, uh, I am the middle child of two brothers. Uh, I have three children, Jennifer, Christina, and Mark. And I have two grandchildren, Sebastian and Demetria. Excellent, excellent. Um, you married Mark Lee. Yes. And I met, that was a couple of decades, decades ago, I guess. I, married, I met Mark in 1980, and we got married in 1992. Was it one of those uh, first love at sight, first sight? Love at first yes. Sight. Mark was the most unselfish human being that, I, that I've ever met in, in my life. He was a chill gentleman. He was dedicated to, to children. He was dedicated to his community, to his family. Uh, he always wanted to be a firefighter. Um, growing up, that was in his family. Um, and we connected through that because my family were all uh, police officers and military. And his family was all firefighters. And he grew up in Tom's River, even though he was born in Jersey City, right? No, he grew up in, uh, he grew up in Jersey City also. Okay. okay. And, and we think... moved in Tom's River in, in 1992. I see. And he came from family of uh, firefighters. Yes. Okay. Um, and his uncle was a uh, his uncle uh, was a he retired as the battalion chief, and now my son followed in my husband's footsteps, and he is a Jersey City firefighter. Excellent. In the intro, I stated that your husband Mark he was a firefighter, uh, in fact, a captain, and he was yes. present at the World Trade Center on nine eleven. Were you yes. pulling the rest? of what we need to know about Mark as a first responder? 
Well, you know, Mark always believed in putting others before himself. That's how he was raised. Um, on September 11th, um, Mark just entered a 24-hour work shift. And Jersey City is right across the water, Hudson River, from New York. And he was down at fire headquarters. And um, he came out of the building. And he actually saw the plane hit the tower. The and he caught... The, yeah, the, no, the first plane. Oh, wow. The first plane. And he called me up and he said, did you see that? I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I was like, see what? And he said, the Twin Towers was just attacked. Get the kids, see what's going on. His uh, best friend, Paul Nimbley, was vice pre one of the vice presidents of Cannon Fitzgerald. He asked me to call his wife to see if Paul was uh, working. Um, we hung up. I called, I called him back. He told me that he was, he jumped on a boat and he was on his way over and that he would be in touch with me. And, uh, the, the last time I seen him from that was on, uh, the 16th of September. Um, and he was on the pile working and doing some rescue stuff because he was a short man, um, you know, thin. And, um, he just started he slept there and just started volunteering and trying to get everyone out as, you know, as with, with everyone else that he can because they didn't know what to, ex you know, to expect. You said that he saw the first plane hit the World Trade Yes. Line. Yes. When he saw that, did he immediately associate that with the terrorist attack or some accident or what was his thought? Um, at first, he really didn't know what was going on. And then when the second plane he was directly right across the water when this happened. When the second plane hit, he knew. He knew that people were in trouble. He knew he had to act fast. And he just volunteered his time, and he just jumped on um, a boat that was going over. Okay. So, um, now, he was a captain of Jersey City Fire Department, right? Yes, for 29 um, and a half years. Right. Now, what exactly is a captain in the context of the fire department organization for the ones who may not realize what it is, like me? Well, a captain of the fire department is in charge of their men. So you have, there is two trucks. There's um, an engine and a ladder. And you are the commanding officer um, um, beneath the battalion chief and then the chief. And you get your direct orders from them, and then you lead your men into rescues, into fire and, and rescue people. And my husband was the type of person, even though he was a captain, he had to... Uh, go in with the guys. He had to be in with them. They had to all be in together. So he led by example. Yes, he did. And he was very, very close uh, with all his men. Okay. They were like family. They become brothers. Yes. Uh, you said that his family, he came from family of firefighters. Uh, what was his motivation? I mean, did, what was it about firefighting that uh, got him to be committed to his, uh, as a profession? Uh, he always wanted to protect people, you know, people. And, um, he, it was just his passion of, of, um, serving his community. And, um, you know, he knew that being a firefighter, he would be able to, to make a difference and, and help people and be there in time of need. Cause you know, when Mark, you know, was firefighting and he, um, there was a, there was a story written about him called Officer and a Gentleman. 
and by Chief uh, Austin. And every time there was a fire and they would always cut the roof, my husband would go the next day and fix the people's roof. He would repair it so they would be able to go back in their homes. Wow. And that's just the type of person that he was. And they would, and then when the fire inspector would come the next day to inspect everything, there was my husband on the roof fixing it. And they'd be like, what are you doing? He said, they need to go back into their homes if there wasn't a lot of damage. Or they can, you know, so because if a storm was coming and stuff like that. So clearly he went beyond his uh, duty. Yes, he was very, very uh, heavily involved in the community. He um, worked with special needs, uh, Special Olympics. He was always helping a child in need, a family in need. Um, he ran a Christmas drive. He started working. So he would always help a child in need and yes. a family in need if they needed anything. Um, you know, where he was located was a very, very bad area. Yes. Okay. And the family, you know, so he would, you know, God forbid if, if something happened, he was always there to help them. So he was a humanitarian as well as being a fireman. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we also have a humanitarian award in my husband's name. Yes. It was presented to him in, uh, in June of 2014 by the American Cancer Fund. Excellent. Um, I'm not surprised, based on everything I've heard, that he received numerous awards as a firefighter and as a yes. volunteer, right? And he organized yes. a number of activities like Special Olympics, uh, Torch Run. How, how, how did that begin, Special Olympics Torch Run? Well, uh, what happened was uh, the, there was a firefighter, uh, Buddy Hayes, whose sister is a special needs teacher. And Buddy was involved in the special needs kids. And we would, oh, my husband would always, you know, give to organizations and stuff and go to the reading and reading of the students and stuff and visit the schools. So when they, they needed volunteers and my husband and other firefighters volunteered and then Buddy and himself um, started to take over until the program uh, was no longer available due to funds. And he was a board member of the FDJC Distress Fund. Is that fire uh, yes. department in Georgia City? Yes. And, what, and what, he, what is the distress fund? The distress fund is for families in need. So if you have a, a family that is sick um, and they need, you know, money or they fall on hard times, um, the distress fund distributes money to help them get back on their feet, uh, pays medical bills uh, for the families. And you're talking about community members, not the fire department members. Uh, community members and fire department members, yes. Okay. Uh, First responders. Fire, yeah, firefighters are uh, unique because they're very tight from what my understanding. Um, what is it about firefighters that are so uh, brotherly-like? They spend so much time together and they put so much trust in each other. And, they, ha you know, that's one thing when you're going through a, a fire together, you have to know that you're going to be able, God forbid, if you get trapped. Or my husband would say, you know, that you know that who you're working with is going to save your life and get you out. And they, you know, they, they work together for 24 hours. So they eat together. They get to know each other's families. They, they're usually in the same firehouse for 30 years. Like my husband, you know, they, and they bond and they're there through weddings and they're there through, um, you know, childbirth and deaths of families and, you know, and that's how they bond. So they become extended family essentially, right? Yes, they do. I see. That's good. Yes. So 
not only did you miss him, but I'm sure the rest of the crew missed him. Oh, yes. And I'm still very, very close with all the guys. Um, we keep in touch all the time. They're still very, very involved in um, my organization. They're, they're involved in, you know, Rockabella, always supporting me in everything that I do. So it, it's, it's great. And they're just or, or great people. So let's move up a few years. After he left the 9-11 situation, I think you said six, seven days later, uh, what happened to him subsequently? Well, um, when, he came, when he came home, um, he had a rash um, all over his body. Um, he told me that um, the smell of the debris was implanted in his sinuses. Um, he just started not to feel well, and he had a, a very bad cough. And he had gone to the doctor, and they had given him some ointment and cream, and they sent him for, you know, a series of tests. And um, he just couldn't get rid of that smell. And it was think, in the taste. What do you think it was? Um, I, uh, it was due to the chemicals from the plane, the unfortunately dead bodies, the burning of the, the building. Um, when you're there for, you know, weeks and days at a time and you, um, you breathe everything in and it goes into your system. And if you have a weak immune system, it attacks your body, you know, faster. And if you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping, like he was sleeping now. And he, they were, that's, you know, famous all in the papers and stuff. And that's where he slept um, with other firefighters. And you're, you're eating, you're eating food and you're drinking water and you didn't have any masks, the proper masks. Um, and you're on the bucket line, you know, and, and all the smoke and everything and the chemicals, that's what happened. And he just breathed it all in, in a system, thousands and thousands of first responders, um, had gone through that. So, you know, was he diagnosed with anything in particular? So in 2002, um, he started to really have, uh, the, the cough just kept, kept continuing and he was, uh, he winds up getting shingles and he was having the, the rashes just, they wouldn't go away. So he was, you know, going to get physicals and stuff and, and, you know, getting pulmonary function tests and everything. And in 2006, um, he was diagnosed with um, fibrosis of the lungs. And he continued going, continued, wouldn't stop. And he would go and, you know, he would get treatments. Um, he would go, you know, to specialists. Um, he didn't, he went to the 9-11 um, clinic at first, but it was just too much for him to handle seeing all the sick first responders there. So he was being treated at Robert Wood Johnson with specialists there. And um, it just got, over the years, it just kept progressing. And they were trying everything to try to, to help him. But the lungs were so severely damaged through the cap, from the chemicals. And uh, it just, they really just dried up. It, that's what they said, that his lungs were dried up. And, and he kept going and going. And then, you know, May... Uh, you know, May 9th, 2014, he passed away at home. Did you, were you kind of prepared for that? Or did it uh, take you? No, because he, 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 he wouldn't let me prepare for it. 
he kept saying, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I just need to have oxygen. I just need to, to rest. I just need to, you know, continue working. And, and um, I have to take care of, you know, my guys. And I have to make sure that my guys are okay. And I would tell him that everyone's going to be okay. We have to take care of you. But he just wouldn't, he just wouldn't stop. So he was dedicated to his profession regardless. He was dedicated to his profession. And um, the day, I'll tell you a quick story. He was in New York Presbyterian Hospital. And his body was filling up with, you know, fluid. And um, we had him admitted in the hospital. And on his way to get a lung biopsy, he got a call from a firefighter stating that a family was burnt out of their home. As he's being wheeled in to get his test done, his lung biopsy, He's giving orders what needs to be done and where they need to go pick up the clothes and make sure that he had everybody's ages and the needs. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, honey, you know, but that's, that's who he was. That, that's exactly who he was. And that's why I fell in love with him. What a heart he had. Yes. He was very, very unique um, individual. Trust me. Yeah. Loved by many. I mean, he was, he still is. Early, he was, he, he was in his early fifties when he passed out. That was, which was way yes. too young. And you yes. have no doubt that uh, if he wasn't part of the 9-11 cleanup crew, that he'd be with us today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he'd probably, you know, he'd be uh, strong, healthy, playing with my grandkids and taking care of the community and, you know, buying the neighborhood ice cream and, you know, volunteering. He, like I said, he always, you know, held the flag at 9-11 and always went to all these he went to so many masses. He even traveled to Washington. He he would just go and pay his respects to the families, even though if the bodies weren't found at that mass, my husband would go. And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. So uh, from your situational perspective, every year when we hit 9-11, what are some of your thoughts that go through mine who, had a, who lost a husband as a result of 9-11? Um, I could tell you that my memory of my husband, unfortunately, um, was from August 30th, the whole week, September 11th, my husband would sit in the basement in front of the TV and just watch all the stories, all the documentaries over and over again. And we would just leave him. And unfortunately, he knew about the life and the history of the over 300 firefighters, first responders that died that day. And we went over to World Trade Center and he took my family and I, and he walked us around the memorial and he told us stories about each and every one of those people. And that's how he, he lived his life. Um, it just never left him. It just never left him, and um, and he would say he would have done it all over again, and um, you know, losing his friend, his you know best friend Paul Nimbley, and other friends from um, you know, and he he they had a memorial there, and he went in and he 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 left a voice message for Paul, and you can go and you can hear Mark talking to him, and Mark would call up all the friends and say, "Listen, it's going to be closing down. Make sure everybody goes." And, you know, get their message in for Paul, you know. And then one day, 2000 and 
you know, 13, my husband was downstairs and I said, honey, I said, please, I said, you have to stop. It's just the same thing over and over again. And he said, I, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to know what I did, you know, was really like, you know, worth it. And I said, was it? And he said, yes, it was. And I, you know, I said, you know, he said, I helped. I helped what I could, could do. Yes, I was did. a part of that. What is your lasting memory of Mark as a firefighter? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so in December 13th, I knew that my, you know my husband wasn't well, and he and he wanted to he wanted to continue working because in order for him to do his community work, he needed to be working. So, my husband, there's a fire in Bayonne, and you know there's a whole new group of you know, firefighters on, and my son was one of them, but he wasn't working with him that day. And my husband um, took the kids and he brought them in and he started banging out windows, showing them how to do things, you know, to, you know, to, for less damage, you know, for fires and stuff. And he, and he would come in every, and I'd say, oh, hi, honey, how was your day? And he said, very good. I said, oh, that's nice. I went on New, NewJersey.com and I, who did I see hanging out the window? <laughs> you. He goes, how did you know that was me? I go, hon, you're a short man. I, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. You're the, the rescue guy. He'd go into walls and everything. He just, you know, he'd go in before his men. That's how he was. He would go in before his men. He would lead them. He may have been short in stature, but yeah, he was large in heart. A huge heart. And you know what? When he was honored with uh, Irish Firefighter of the Year, that was the greatest gift for him. He was so happy. At first, you know, he was like, oh, no, I don't deserve it and stuff. And I was like, you know what? You really do deserve it. You're... And he was so happy that, that he was honored with that. And he I just, see. again, yeah. But 9-11, I just, um, I try not to think about it too much. I was involved. I've met beautiful, beautiful widows. I've met um, people that were there, that lived it. Um. And it was it was very comforting to me, but then it got to a point where it made me sad, and my heart couldn't heal. And we were all going through the same thing, even though we didn't know each other. Whose husband was a police officer, or you know, um, you know, an employee just gone, you know, um, working in the trains, and we bonded and we're still very very close, um, and it helped us you know, take care of each other. But um, to keep living that year after year, day after day, it really puts a lot of stress and strain on, on someone's life. And these poor 9-11 first responders and any first responder, military police officer, firefighters, nurses, doctors, even the janitors, like I told you, um, the stress and strain that they're putting on their lives every day. And now with this pandemic going on, it just continues you know, and, and I have so much res love and respect for first responders, More, believe me. <laughs> Do you feel that society or government has done enough to uh, compensate for the loss of uh, first responders back in 9-11? No. Sure See, no. Um, they have to fight. It doesn't come easy. A lot of paperwork, a lot of stress. 
um, a lot of doctor's visits. It's, it's a lot. It's pages and pages and pages and years and years of documents. And I know because my husband went through it. I went through it after he passed away. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's not cut and dry. The, 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 there, at the time, the police and fire department and the government offices were so overwhelmed with paperwork. It, and it took, it took years it, and it's still taking years and they're still fighting, you know, um, and, it, and it's pennies. It really is pennies. What is and the they say, of, what is the point of that? Of fighting? Um, resisting I, or helping? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I did everything myself. I did all by myself. Um, I had no one to help me because in, in Jersey city, they, they tried to help me, but they just didn't know how. And it was very, very complicated. And I had to go through 300, 400 something pages of documents and litigations and everything to try to figure out how to do this. And I really honestly, truly believe that my husband guided me. I, I, I was lost and I, I didn't know what to do. And I, if I made a mistake, I'd say, listen, I made a mistake. Can you help me? Could you guide me? I call someone from the state, which they were lovely. They were lovely, but it just took a very, very long time, you know, and uh, I, I don't understand it. I, I couldn't understand. Like you, you just hear horror stories and you have to realize a lot of these young firefighters, even in, in the employees that were working in the World Trade Center, in the restaurants and stuff, because they didn't make that much money, they weren't compensated. Their families weren't compensated. And it was going by your salary or how many years on the job. And there was just so many restrictions. And it, it, it was crazy. And by the time people fight to get what they deserve for, for the insurance, because you can't work. So some companies don't, you know, don't have insurance. So you try. It took me two years to get my insurance. You know, and I, I was one of the lucky ones because all my children are grown. But there are families with little kids that they didn't have health insurance. And what little money that they got, they had to pay for health insurance for their children. They had a mortgage. You know, they had to live. A lot of people lost their homes. A lot of people, and no one knows that. A lot of the families lost their homes. What kept you, you going know, for those, during those two years? My determination. The will of my husband, the respect. My energy came from anger, despair. And I want I never wanted my husband to be forgotten for the man that he was, that he deserved to that he deserved he deserved respect. And I just you know, people would say, you know, oh just you know, it's you got this. You could do it. Oh, my God. You know, there were so many people, negative people, and there were positive people. But the negative people made me want to move stronger and go forward. You know, I went, I applied, you know, when I went up against the state of New Jersey, I didn't go up against them. I, I did, I changed my husband's pension and I, um, and I re, redid his, his paperwork and stuff. And the state, I went up in front of the state board. And I have to tell you, by myself, in the pouring rain, I didn't want anyone to come with me. And I got there, and I double-parked my car in front of the state building. And it was pouring, and I ran in. And it, to me, it looked like a huge building, you know. And I go in, and, and, and the board members were all sitting there. 
And I have to tell you, they, they were so warm, so caring, and apologizing for everything that I had gone through. But they thanked me for fighting and for believing in myself and encouraging. And, you know, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it gave me strength to, to continue on because I, I was, it just took over my life. It just took over everything that I had. Understandable. Um, <clears throat> after Mark passed away in May of uh, 2014, what was the most immediate impact upon your family from having him one day and then he passed on the next? How did it hit wow. you? Wow. Like a ton of bricks. Share your thoughts. And the day that my husband passed away, of course, the, you know, we, we were running to the hospital and the fire guys came and his friends and fam, you know, and family and, uh, and I come home and, and I felt numb, but you want to know something? The craziest thing is I felt like when he, they were wheeling him out of the house and he was telling me that he couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe. And I opened up the, I went into the ambulance and I seen what was happening and I told him that it was okay. It was okay to go. I didn't want him to suffer anymore. And I opened up the back of the ambulance door and I felt him come through me. I got a chill. And I, and I was like, wow, it was just like a wind like came through my, my body. And I got home and my son, you know, stayed with him at the hospital and I came back home and I was going through looking at all his medicines and everything. And I had like a relief of him no more suffering and I'm looking at the tanks and everything, the air tanks and, and I just go in my room and I just start crying and I start to feel coldness and the phone rings and it's the hospital. And they told me that my husband, um, is donating a hundred pieces of his skin to the burn unit and his coroners are going to go to a little girl. And I had no idea that he did that. Would you explain was, that, break that down for us, why he would have done that about his charity, about the burn unit? Well, the burn unit is, um, the, the burn unit, um, of course, is very, very close with the, the fire department. Um, because if you're a burn victim, you're transported to, you know, say Barnabas Burn Hospital or, or, you know, the nearest hospital that can control, um, take care of, you know, burn victims. Um, Mark um, had had gotten an award from St. Barnabas uh, Burn Unit several years back. Um, he saved, um, you know, a little girl uh, that was burnt. And, of course, you know, he always checked up on her, and he would go visit her at the hospital and make sure that everything was okay. And Mark did a lot of that with burn victims that he was involved in. Um, St. Barnabas in Livingston, New Jersey, for the folks yes. who may not be familiar. Okay. Yes. So St. Barnabas in Livingston, New Jersey. So my husband, I, I, um, knowing the man that he was, probably, you know, said to himself, you know what? I can help someone, a child that's burnt or, you know, an individual that's burnt and his skin could be patched onto their skin. And he, you know, gave back. I, I, you know, he never even mentioned it to me. I had no idea. And then even for his corners, for a little girl, when they had um, called me and told me that. So someone is seeing through his eyes. And, and I, that was amazing. And I, I was speechless because 
I had no idea that he was that he was a donor, that he even notified them or even put it in his records. And I don't think he wanted me to, you know, be upset or whatever. I wouldn't have been, but I was so proud of him to do that. And then the firefighters um, knew about it. And, you know, they spoke about it on TV when they were interviewed. Um, and they just knew that that's what Marky would do. And knowing that his skin can help someone heal. Even in death, he was giving and concerned about other human beings. Yes. And he probably still is right now. I know he's watching over victims. I know that he is, and he's placing his healing hand on them. Yes, no doubt. What is the most difficult aspect of losing a spouse like that for you? Oh, God. I, you know, all my life, I've always taken care of my family. I took care of my dad for 11 years. I took care of my mom. I still take care of my mom. My dad um, had multiple brain strokes after getting LASIK surgery. And he was a guard at the Hudson County Jail. And he, again, helping, you know, inmates, their families, giving to them, taking care of them, um, worked every shift that he possibly could. And he became very ill. And I, I took care of him. He had a wife, but... Um, it was just very hard for her to handle. And for 11 years, I dedicated myself and my husband helped me take care of my dad until his passing. My mom, she had mental illness and she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and she was being treated improperly by doctors and stuff. So I was taking on my mom, taking care of my mom growing up, we took care of my grandpa and my, you know, my, my grandma and my family members, that's how we were raised. We always took care of each other. So when Mark became ill, it was just something that was just a natural, natural thing for me to do. Um, my nature of, of caring and, you know, taking care of my children. Um, but it hit me really hard, um, with Mark because, and my, my dad, but, uh, and I was still recovering from, from that. But when I, when Marky passed, um, a hole got into my heart and I, um, I lost myself. Understandable. Um, my daughter was really affected by it. I had to, um, how, how old were your children at the time? Um, they were in their twenties. Um, and, uh, my daughter, you know, was getting her master's in psychology and stuff. And she was working really hard. And my daughter, Jennifer, was, you know, a longshoreman. And she just had her son. And um, her son was five. And we, Marky made sure that he was very, very close in this boy's life. I mean, we he spent all the summers with us every holiday. Um, Sebastian's 12. And he still remembers, you know, pop-pop like it was yesterday. Um and my son, he just uh, continued the legacy that he promised that my husband that he would do. My daughter um, had a very, very hard time. They were extremely close. And um, he does speak with her now. He sends her um, messages through uh, the Rolling Stones. They, they, he used to call it Angie's Girl and stuff. And, and, that's, they, and, he, and she hears his songs all the time. Um, I had to send her to a retreat to mind, body, and spirit to get herself together because that our connection as a family was so strong. 
And I was trying to build, you know, try to understand everything that was going on without, and fighting for my life, for my, you know, for my, um, my husband's life. And, um, you know, and I, I got her help and thank God she's, she's stronger, but she'll never be the same because we were just, you know, just a very, very close family. My husband and I just lived normal lives. Like we just never let anything affect us, you know, and, um, great spirit, uplifting, adventurous. These are the hidden costs of, uh, the price that America pays for 9-11. All these uh, personal uh, tragedies, and difficulties that individuals have to face and overcome. Yeah, and you have to just de- de- um, dig in deep to 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 try to heal the best that you can, and then to continue to be a good person and, and not ha- have anger inside. Um, I'm not angry. It's like to me, it's like yesterday. Sometimes, like I cry. <laughs> I understand. Because it's, it's, you know, it, regardless, it's going to be six years, but um, it gives me, it, 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 um, it gives me the strength to even make him prouder because I know he's looking down at me going, that's my Cheryl. Everyone says it. That's his Cheryl. Keep going, you know, and, um, and I do that. And, and um, last year, 2019, um, we we took the Christmas drive to economical with children. I mean, we went way. He, when he passed away in 2014, there was 20, 2,300 children. And he asked my son and I to please, if there's anything that we're going to do to keep this legacy going. And in 2019, I brought it to amazing, amazing levels of helping. And um, I knew it was time for me to start taking care of me because the month of January, I am just totally wiped out. Sure. Let's just back up regarding that Christmas drive. Your husband led annual Christmas drive for children uh, as a captain of the fire, uh, Jersey city fire department. Yes. And when he couldn't do it anymore, and this was an annual event, he asked uh, you and your son to continue. And that's what you're referring to. Yes. 2019, you had the biggest drive ever. Yes. We did almost 8,000 children, 960, um, 900, I'm sorry, uh, 196 individual families that my son does on his own. Um, He does the Boys and Girls Club, my son. He took it to a next level on his own with the firefighters. Um, I would do special needs children. We did um, over 3,000 special needs children, um, cancer kids. We go to the schools. We spend time with these children and their families. Like, we just don't go and, and you know, deliver gifts and you don't see us anymore. Um, it becomes personable for us. And, um, you know, my son would give a bike to a child. He'd go back in the spring and teach them how to ride the bike, you know. Um, and we did a, uh, I was involved with Chuck E. Cheese. We got together with them. We partnered. And we would do a, a Christmas spectacular uh, just for, like, um, it was a couple hundred special needs kids and cancer kids. Um, and it was great. And it was like a big, huge circus and carnival. It was amazing. Um, and now this year with the pandemic going on, my son is trying to find ways that we are going to be able to distribute our toys because some of the schools aren't open. Um, we do a lot of programs, the hospitals, of course, um, a lot, a lot of poor kids and, and a lot of, um, 
little, little kids. And so we're trying to figure out how that's going to go because we have a huge community support. And our, our wrapping is supposed, was supposed to be um, on Saturday. And will we have like over 500 volunteers that come in, firefighters, police officers, everyone, the community all comes together. We give out the Captain Mark Lee Humanitation Award. Uh, unfortunately, we had to cancel that. So now my son is, you know, doing like a grab and go. Hopefully, we're just trying to figure everything out that each child gets their their present. Because my husband would say, Cheryl, no child is to wake up without a, uh, you know, a Christmas present under the Christmas tree. And I'd say, I know, honey, I know. Right. So even Shoprite's not giving out gift cards this year. Wow. So it's it's very difficult. Yeah. Then um, we got involved in a run uh, in honor of my husband. Five um, it's. Yes, 5K. And we have people travel from all over the world to come. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And, of course, that last year had to be um, postponed. And now, again, most likely this year it had to be postponed, you know, due to the pandemic. You and your son and and families like your son, you are America's finest. Thank you. An example of how compassionate this country is. I wish there was more like us. Yes. <laughs> I wish that pay it forward, as we say. Yes. Seriously, just pay it, pay it forward. Well, you are leading by example, that's for sure. Let's I'm going to show you. To I'm going to show you my husband's okay. my husband's trophy case. Excellent. Oh wow! Yeah, I see that. And that's him. Yes, he's a he was a good-looking fellow. <laughs> good-looking man. Thank you. Uh, he was presented the flag on the day that he was buried. President Obama was over in 9-11 that day, and he, they presented the flag that flew over there. President Obama, they, it's right here. They, um, they folded it, and they, they, they gave it to us. Beautiful. Well-deserved. Yes. And the P- yeah. Okay, go ahead. Finish. Oh, the PGA, they honored my husband, International um, <laughs> Golfing Association. That's great. And they donated $10,000 to our Christmas drive. And we met uh, President Clinton, mm-hmm. President Bush, and President Obama. There you go. And it was beautiful, beautiful ceremony, uh, 2017. And my, my son and I, along with the New York uh, and police fire department, we presented the cup. It was amazing. Yes. It was a great honor. Yes. I would say that Mark is still around. Yes, he is. He'll always be right there. Right here. (laughs) And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. Let's let's move on to uh, your latest work. Uh, You picked everything up a notch. And you came up with an interesting concept. And so I want to uh, talk about that a little bit and tell us uh, what's that all about. Okay. So like I I said, our Christmas drive, I, uh, you know, I brought it to, you know, the next level and, I usually go and I, you know, meditate for the whole month of January because, you know, my emotions are high and you get so attached to, you know, these families. And my son kept saying to me, Mom, you need to find something to do for yourself. You need to take care of you now. So I was always creating drinks. I was always creating teas and um, I always was the one with the family parties. I was always creating cocktails. I did them for, you know, barbecues, showers. And I always made my own recipes and I would just throw a bunch of different stuff in there, you know, and uh, mix it up all the time. So I wanted to do something that I would know that I would enjoy doing. 
and give me a challenge. And the challenge was that I would create drinks and By drinks, it would we're be talking about spirits. Right. Right. So I would do, I would um, do spirits and it would be, you know, vodka, tequila, rum, you know, all my favorite concoctions and bottle them up. And everybody would be like, are you kidding me? The industry is saturated. Oh, you can't, it's going to be crazy. And I turn around, I said, you know what? They're not me. They're not me. After everything that I've been through in my life, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a different human being. I'm different. So my son, I swear to God, he put it in his phone. He said, okay, on this day, I'm going to put this in the phone and I want to know where you're going to be a year from now. I said, son, put it in your phone. Keep writing it down. You watch mom. I got this right. So in creating the spirits, uh, Rockabella, um, Rockabella is the brand name. Rockabella, yes, rock. It's it's three flavored. It's the first on the market. It's coconut, mango, pineapple, all natural, gluten free, distilled in Florida. So we're talking about vodka. Vodka created with three yes. different flavors: mango, pineapple, yes. and yes. What was the third one? Mango, pineapple, and it's a coconut. It's coconut. it's coconut, mango, and pineapple. Yes. So um, anyway, so in creating um, the vodka. I wanted to do something. I wanted to, if I was building something, I, I needed to have a purpose and a meaning, a meaning. And the, and in doing this, and I, I um, a good friend of mine, Mary M. Woods, who I had met uh, several months after my husband had passed away, she had lost her husband, Captain James Woods, after a 24-hour shift. He had a heart attack. He was also and, a fireman. So yes, he was also a Jersey firefighter. And... Um, she had, you know, small children and uh, she was going through a very, very hard time and her and I connected. I, I uh, also, you know, um, as you would say, I, I take care of widows. I'm, I'm there for them. And we had five uh, deaths of firefighters all through uh, different circumstances within, you know, two years of each other. So her and I became like sisters and um, I was helping her and guiding her going through what she was going through. So I just said, you know what? I'd like to dedicate this vodka to our husbands and make some of the proceeds go directly to fallen first responder widows and children in need. Because when your husband or your wife passes away, even though they're a first responder, um, except for like the distress fund that my husband was belonged to um, and the Emerald Society, that he belonged to, um, they come in and they, they take care of you right away, but it's only what they can, what they can give you, um, the donation. But, you know, you have your mortgage payment, you have your, your food to put on your table. You don't know when your pension check's going to come in, even if you're going to get the pension check. So I want to be the person to also contribute to that with a hands-on approach. And I, I have firsthand experience of what, it, what you go through. When your husband passed away, you mentioned Emerald Societies. Uh, what is that? The Emerald Society is a it's a um, an organization of Irish, um, you know, um, firefighters, okay. police officers. You know, everyone has a different um, name, but for police, they have pipes and drums, and they go and they, you know, perform, um, you know, 
um, at, unfortunately, at funerals and wakes, and they do uh, charity events, and they raise money. I understand. So, and they, they help, um, you know, the members in need and stuff like that. So, um, so with myself, um, I, I knew I would be able, you know, to do that. And I, and I just needed some help for someone to trust and believe in me, um, to help me get on the ground and, you know, lead me in the right direction. So, um, a friend of mine who I met, her name was Sarah. And uh, she used to be a publicist, and I met her in Barbados, and we became really close. And she would call me; she had cancer, and you know, I would uh, we would call each other to see if where everyone's okay. And she called me, and she's just like, you know, what are you doing? I was like, Sarah, I can't talk right now. Uh, I have to go. I'm doing a concoction. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'll have to make you have to sign an NDA. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so anyway, I knew she's going to call me back. She called me back, and she's like, Cheryl. I, you know, you're, you're just so talented. You're such a great creator. I want to try to help you. So she had, she contacted her friend Mindy from Latin to Latin in Florida, uh, who does advertising and stuff and, um, asked her to speak with me. So we spoke and we spoke several times over, over a month. And, um, she said, I'd love to work with you. She said, I can help you. So I said, oh, my God, this is great. And, um, you know, we went through. What was the concept at this point? Well, at this point was I I had the flavors, which was already. So now I had my flavors. So I had to get my flavors approved by the FDA. I had to get them made. The taste had to be perfect. We had to design the bottle. Um, And then we had to go into production and, you know, get everything rolling. So. So I asked, you know, I told Marianne, let's go. We're going to do this, girl. We're going to, you know, take care of these families. And uh, we went. The taste was perfect. And then I was with Mindy from Latin to Latin. And we won. She presented our bottle to a contest in Miami. And before it was even, like, launched, we won Best Creative Design 2019. And we won best packaging. So that was a sign right there. Plus the taste was exquisite. It was elegant. It was a taste of paradise. Yes. And everyone, and everyone would say, wow. And I'd say it was created with love because it was. So again, now you have all the big, huge companies. They have millions and millions of dollars advertising and stuff. And I knew that I would have to, my son said, it's going to be long hours, mommy. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to, you know, put everything that you have into this. I said, I could do this because I knew regardless of anything that it was going to be the taste that was going to sell. I knew that it had, I had a, there was a purpose and a mission behind it. And it's a true person, you know, true mission and a true, you know, purpose. And I just needed to get my story out there. And I, and I just needed, you know, people to taste it and like it. And it's been doing extremely well. And, you know, I, I just go, I have, you know, um, people that help me, um, Yolanda, she does my customer service. She, you know, calls up the retailers and stuff. I have adapt and social now that does my, my advertising, um, social media. Um, I, you know, do my own advertising. I have Maurizio, who's my COO. He helps me out a lot. And then I have my friends that help me. Um, and I go to, go to events and, and the people, they like the taste, so they invite me to go to their events. And that's how, I, you know, I'm marketing it right now. Um, 
But the day that I can present a check to the families is the day that I know that I am halfway there. Right, right. You know? I think you're more than, more than halfway there. Curious, um, why vodka? Why not rum or tequila? Uh, so vodka was at one of the main um, drinks that a lot of people, you know, that when my family members and my friends would come, I would always have, you know, vodka around. And Keely used to give you like a headache because it was like the cheap stuff, you know. So you used to get like a little hangover. And with vodka, um, if you, it, it tasted really good with, um, you know, pineapple, some cranberry, um, you know, you put some fresh fruits in it. But I used to freeze it, you know, and it, it didn't freeze. It would be icy. And it didn't have like that aftertaste. Um, so that's how that came about. And then it was very easy in the punches. You know, when you, I used to make a punch, we used to call it like the Jersey City hooch. <laughs> and one other aspect of your uh, delicious coconut mango pineapple vodka is that it is 100% made in? Florida. Florida, United States. Yes. Now you had mentioned uh, during our post, uh, our previous, uh, oh, pre uh, podcast uh, talk that we had that you're also adding other lines, bourbon? Yes. All right. So I'm growing, you know, me, I like to, um, I like to multitask. I like to keep going. So it, I, I would say, you know, they would say, oh, I got to diversify everything. So what, when I was at Citrus Distillery, um, Dustin, I, I was, I didn't tell anybody, but I was in the process of um, doing a liqueur and it would be named after Jack's who, this is Jax. It was named after Jax, who my son had rescued. Um, and is a I dog, want, by the way, for people who cannot yes. see during the podcast. <laughs> he's a dog, and he's Carmel color. And I wanted to um, do something in honor of Jax, and um, it was a, a bourbon or a whiskey. And when I met Dustin the day that we um, had the tasting, and he was just like. Cheryl, the, this vodka is so good. My wife is actually going to drink the whole barrel. That's how good this stuff is. Um, he said, I'm going to give you a barrel of my bourbon. He said, but I want you to, I'm going to give you two seconds to come up with a name. Well, he didn't know, but I already had a name. And I was like, Carmel Apple, Jax. And he was like, it's yours. So uh, the hit on that is amazing. I've uh, sampled it out to people that are just bourbon drinkers and they are really like blown away. So where is it, it in terms of the pipeline? So bourbon? right now uh, we are just waiting. Uh, we had to just change the label a little bit. So uh, we should have the approval from the um, FDA uh, hopefully by the beginning, the end of this week. Okay. Now um, your Rockabella vodka and its proceeds will be don uh, donated to first responder families. Is that correct? Yes. So the the Rockabella vodka and my regular vodka is donated to our fallen first responder widows and children. Um, and again, if you know if we have enough um, you know funds, I will be um, you know distributing to um, you know families. Um, sure. So that'll be down the line. My the bourbon is dedicated to animals. Tell us about that. Oh, that looks beautiful. The, yeah. It's a bottle so of, uh, you're going to call it uh, Apple Bourbon Jack? <laughs> yes, it's called Jack's Bourbon. It's on our website. Um, so the, the proceed, some of the proceeds to uh, the bourbon is, is dedicated to building a safe haven for animals. Um, 
as you know, a lot of firefighters, you know, police officers, they rescue, you know, animals and they wind up taking them home. And my son is a huge animal fan. And if it was up to him, we'd have a whole house full of, you know, animals. Every animal that we owned, Dalmatian, um, you know, another pit bull and stuff were all rescued. So I'm going to take proceeds to that. And I want, I was surprising my son, but he knows now. Um, look for a large area, um, maybe in the Poconos or, you know, wherever we can, you know, buy land cheap and build a safe haven for dogs where they will be taking care. Oh, hello. <laughs> Adorable. Girl or boy? He's a boy. We've got two of them. Oh. Boy and a girl. Just sharing. So I understand yes. where you're coming from. Yes. So, um, anyway, so that is, um, and then they will be able, if they're not adopted, people would be able to come and adopt them. If, uh, and if they're not adopted, they'll live out the rest of their lives being taken care for at the, at the dog hotel. In, uh, somewhere in New Jersey? In New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, and hopefully, like I said, if I can expand, I'll, you know, I can expand it, but right now I'll just, you know, start, you know, at home. And then if everything goes well and, and my branding, you know, does well, then we can, we'll, we'll expand it. What was the most challenging aspects of starting a uh, spirit brand as a lady, as a female? Having the courage, the <laughs> will and the determination and the ambition. Did you find it difficult? I mean, did you face much obstacles nope. in terms of... Uh, I'm too resilient. No, <laughs> okay. no, I, I, you know, it's funny. And again, due to how I was raised, where I, you know, grew up being the middle child of two, you know, two brothers, um, raising my kids at a young age, becoming a mom, losing my important loved ones and losing my husband. It just gave me this extra strength of coverage. And, and I was like, you know what, if I can go through that and survive it, I can go through anything. And I, I, regardless of how old you are or where you are in your life, you know, woman, man, child, believe in yourself. You can accomplish anything and you just keep putting your foot forward and you learn. And if, and if you fall down, you pick up your, your boots and you strap yourself up and you keep going, right. you know, and that's yeah. what I always said. And I, um, uh, it's a, a learning process for me and I am learning and, um, I, I stand on my own and I, I, and I'm, I'm ready for the challenge, but also I am, I'm a Nana. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a businesswoman. I just, um, I am on the, uh, NJAWBO board, women's association, um, a New Jersey woman owned business. Um, I work international. Um, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to, um, to build my legacy for myself, but also for my grandchildren, um, you don't know what tomorrow is going to be. So I'm um, the, one, the one standing here, and I have to do it. And I want to help people because I know if I, I continue to help, others will follow behind me or stand with me. So we have to keep going from community to community because we have to stand with and we have to take care of each other, you know. And, and that's, that's what I believe in, so that keeps me going. And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. At this point, if people want to get Rockabella Vodka, how would they be able to access? Uh, you can go to rockabellabrands.com and you can 
um, look at your location. And if it's not in your area, because we also deliver, um, if it's not in your area, you can go to your local liquor store, your local restaurant, and they can order through MHW Distributors in Long Island. Okay, are they in stores in the New York metropolitan area, New York City area? And we are in, right now we're just located in New York and New Jersey. Okay, but available on the website for delivery. Yes, we're in, located in like 40, 46 uh, different locations and we're so if, working our way down um, okay. south. So if somebody wanted to be a distributor for your brand, how would they approach that? Uh, they can contact um, me at Cheryl at C-H-E-R-Y-L dot Lee, L-E-E, -E, at rockabellabrands.com. Okay. And I can send them all the information um, that they need. Um, and then I would love that. That would be that would be amazing. Sure. And you said that Rockabella brand is trying to uh, expand state by state, correct? Yes. I am trying to uh, expand uh, state by state um, from from New Jersey all the way up to, to Connecticut, into Rhode Island, into Long Island, all the way to California. And I want, even want to get into, um, you know, Barbados and the Bahamas and stuff because, you know, it's a taste of paradise. Um, Jim, anywhere that I can get in would be, you know, fabulous. And like I said, it, it would help. And um, everyone that's in, in that I'm involved in, um, I call up my retailers. I go in, I visit with them. I have tastings. Uh, when I call them up and I'll say, hi, this is Cheryl from Rockabella. I want to thank you for carrying Rockabella. And they'd be like, who is this? I'd say it's Cheryl from Rockabella. And they'd be like, wow, um, that never happened before. But it's, again, it's great, um, you know, communication, customer service. Um, that's how you build. You have to build a trust, you know, with your, your customers. And, and, and in order for them to trust my product, they have to believe in me. Right. What's the biggest lesson you've learned going from being a wife of a firefighter to an entrepreneur by establishing a brand new product? That um, I have a purpose. There's a reason why I'm here and I have a purpose. And um, if I can help um, another woman or a young girl um, know that regardless, you could do anything, just put your mind to it. It takes a lot of um, strong will, determination, um, creativity. And you have to just keep knocking on the doors. You have to make the phone calls. You have to work hard. Um, it doesn't come easy. It, it never will, especially for women. Um, and you just have to prove yourself and you just got to keep going. And you also, the main thing is that you give back to your community, you know, um, just don't run a business and, and make millions and millions of dollars and forget the, you know, the, the person down the, you know, the bottom of a ladder. That's not right. how it should be. You have to, you, you know, you're making all this money. You can, you know, take care of people because, they're not fortunate enough to, you know, education, help right. a child go to school to get education and a degree and, you know, to turn around, you, get, you help each other. Is um, your company a nonprofit or is it for profit? Uh, Rock, Rockabella, Rockabella Gives mm -hmm. is a nonprofit corporation. And all my, everything that I get in from there goes directly to families in need. That's a diversified that goes um, to special needs children. I am um, 
I would have already, it would have already been started. Um, my first project with Rockabella Gives um, was to build a salon um, for children of autism and cancer where they can be able to go and be pampered and be taken care of um, and also uh, do their parties and stuff because it's very difficult for them, you know, um, to be out, you know, in society and, you know, when everything. So it's a safe haven, you know, for them, which is something near to dear to me. Um, and I have a lot of support with that. But again, I need to uh, do events, raise money. And um, so I can get that, you know, project going. And again, I, it would be started in New Jersey and I would, you know, work my way down um, each county, each state. Um, it's very much needed. And these kids that, you know, they're sick and they have, you know, weak immune systems. So for them to go out into the public and they have little birthday parties and stuff like that and, you know, stimulation rooms and, and everything, you know, and I want to, I want to work with uh, young moms um, and help them get out into the workforce. And that's where uh, Rockabella uh, branding comes in with designing clothes and uh, they would wear you know, uh, clothing to be able to go on their interviews and stuff. Sure. Uh, what does Rockabella mean? How did you get that? Rockabella is a woman of, of strength and courage, will and determination. She can play in the dirt during the day and dress the nines at night. She's a, uh, Jennifer Lopez, a Celine Dion. Okay. <laughs> that that's me. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's good. Uh, Tell me about friends supporting friends. So we have, okay, so um, in 2019, um, I got involved with uh, Compel America, which is another nonprofit organization. Um, I partnered with them uh, called uh, Anti-Bullying. And they're running a campaign, um, and they have a lot of actors and actresses and UFC fighters and um, that come, you know, that are trying to get the word out not just to, to stop the bullier, but to also help the bullier, educate the bullier, um, and um, bring the bullier and the, the bully, the bully, bullier and the, the child or yeah. adult that was bullied together. Um, that's then Compel I, America, right? Yes, that's Compel America. Okay. That's run by Mike Rogan. Um, and then um, I got involved with the Wise Guys show. Um, uh, Freddie is a uh, a retired firefighter from Newark. Um, and he, um, has a group of friends that are Sopranos that have been on the Sopranos. Um, a lot of the Italian movies and they have, they all come together and they, they help, um, friends. And there's a Bellagio of a singer and my publicist, Richard McCormick, who I have grown up with, um, since I'm, you know, 10 years old. And he introduced me, uh, to them. And then you have the guy Lenny from Yonkers and he has, uh, he does organizations and he, um, does the bucket channel, um, channel challenges. Um, and they formed a group and it's called friends supporting friends. And what we do is, um, we always watch each other's podcasts and their shows on Facebook and Instagram, and then we share it. And then, um, like they just had like, um, Desi Arnaz's granddaughter on and her and I became friends. Um, and that's how I met Joe Woolley. So um, what they do is they promote your product. 
They promote your restaurant. You promote their, their video. So anything that's going on, um, we all support each other. So it grows. Your networking grows. And it's a great thing, especially now with the businesses like with Sal Peggs. He, he's forever. He, he owns Lena's Restaurant in Bloomington. He's like one of my my greatest supporters. And he is always out there doing, you know, Rockabella and, and selling it and stuff. It's it's great. And then uh, the wise guys, they have Rockabella on on uh, their show. And then um, Donnie, Donnie from Happy Days, we sent him a bottle. He loves it. Um, and, and then we do it that way. And that's how I met Ruben. Excellent, yes. I met you. Yeah, Ruben's a wonderful person. Oh, I love him. I can't yeah. wait to work with him. Yeah, he is superb. Uh, He's amazing. Life's Journey podcast. You want to say something yes. about that? Yes. So Life Journey podcast um, is going to be, we're just going to be interviewing um, regular people that have been through um, their life's journey um, and where where they were, what brought them to where they are now and what they will continue to do. And um, everybody has a story, Absolutely. but you just need somebody to listen. Absolutely. You need someone to take that chance to, to listen to your story. And that's what I always believed in. I always believed in the underdog. I always believed in, in you know, um, working with the unknown because they're never given a chance. So our podcast is going to be about that. And hopefully it will help, you know, someone that's a designer, you know, um, you know, how they started, if they started in their basement, um, show some of their, you know, their, their clothing, what they right. designed, right. Um, someone that overcame drugs, someone that lived in the streets um, and how they overcame that and where they are today. Yes. Actually, ordinary people are all, all exceptionally uh, ordinary. So, really yes. Company. And, and it and it's um, it, it it's it's something. It's going to be very exciting because um, they're going to be able to to see them, and you know, hopefully, we can get you know their business out there or whatever they do. Um, even if someone's looking for a job um, in the field, if they went to school, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, they'll be able to get a job or you know anything like that help them out and listen to them because they need that right. and it's free. Right. You know, so, so where does it go from here for Cheryl Lee? Um, I'm just going to keep going. Um, I'm just going to keep building and creating um, and just see like where it takes me. I'm just going to, you know, keep building uh, products, um, you know, fragrances, um, organic creams um i'm gonna be going to uh traveling to africa and um i'm gonna um you know be building a, a school there in a church um that's a, a project that's for me and joe willie and um the nazaro um and then i'm gonna you know restore water those water pro projects that uh you know we want to work on um building, you know, better education here, um, helping families, building families. So as long as I can keep doing that um, and helping one person at a time in one county at a time or one state at a time, and it's going to take time. Um, but the more people that I have helped me and to pay it forward, it will, it will grow faster. Um, I'm just one person. So um, I, I love working with people. I, I want to work with people. Um, I, I, 
I, I just want to see everything, everything good in the world. And I, I believe that we can do it. And I think that's why I'm here. So I can, this pandemic has slowed me down, but it's also made me plan more. And I get to um, meet a lot of people on the way and by every one of us coming together to make it grow. So when the world does open up, we can start to plant the seed and start and, and start to building. Um, it takes money. It takes events. It takes um, people. Like I always say, it's a write-off. If you, you know, people want to donate, um, you know, they go to Rockabella, uh, rockabellagives.org. Um, they will see pictures. They will see video of everything that's done. Not every family is going to be allowed us to videotape them, but they'll, you know, they'll be able to write something about us. Um, but they will see a lot of video of every step of the way of everything that we do. Um, the more volunteers that come on board, the faster things will get done. So right now, um, Rockabella has only been, it's going to be a year, February. Um, and I'm, I'm doing well, but I'm not making, you know, any money off of it. I'm paying for my storage and stuff um, and my advertising. But I will, um, as the word gets out and people, I get more distributors and uh, people that believe in my product and want to take a chance on me. Um, taking a chance on me, I, I believe, is, is a, a very, very good investment because I'm, anyone can tell you I'm a very honest person. Uh, I have a very loving heart. Um, I learned from my family, but from my husband had taught me to put others before yourself. And I will continue to do that. And I will be, I will be rewarded well in my youth. And I will be, when I see these kids that I help now, when I see them graduate college, which I will attend, um, and I see these families that can put food on the table, and um, they have curtains and, and bedding and they have a place to sleep and lay their head and the parent has a job, then I know that my job is, is complete. Yes. Well, you've shared it with us and hopefully uh, we'll share with this with the rest of the world, the worthy cause that you are part of and that you've started. So in closing, if they want to be part of this cause or support you, the best way to get in touch with you is one more time. They can get in touch with me um, at rockabellagives.org. Um, they can get in touch with me at, I am on Facebook at Cheryl Kelly Lee. Um, I, they can email me at Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L dot Lee, L-E-E, -E, at rockabellabrands.com. That's R-O-C-A-B-E-L-L-A dot com. Um, or they can, you know, if, I mean, if you don't mind them contacting you, you can give them out my phone number or, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I, I greatly appreciate it. The more people we have on board, the faster that we will be able to accomplish the, the gold. And again, one person at a time, one family at a time, one community at a time. We hear you and we're with you. And Sharon, we thank you for being with us and uh, sharing your cause causes rather in your life with us and we obviously wish you continued success thank on a personal you. level as well as uh, organizational level so thank you very much thank all right you. this is god bless you thank you this is augustus cho over and out <laughs>